you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And got a big Friday show for you, as we always do. Michael Florio, Michael F. Florio, will be joining us for this one. We'll talk about some of our best value picks for those of you playing daily fantasy football. Also, have our best of the pack, as we always do, picking three guys. And uh, we will have a question for our resident nerd as well. That and plenty more to dive into into this Friday show. But before we get into that, let's talk to our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, how are you feeling this Friday morning? I mean, Marcus, you know how I'm feeling. Uh, we all saw it happen, that debacle on Thursday Night Football. And 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 it's like I'm Al Pacino and like Godfather 3. It's like every time I think about it, they pull me back in. The Giants just have this, this power over me that they get me to watch. And I'm ultimately let down. I mean, two touchdowns in like four minutes and 30 seconds. And um, I... I I mean, Evan Ingram, man, like you, you cost him an interception and after Danny Dimes had a really good game and the ball is right on your fingertips. You know, that drop and um, I mean, most amount of drops since 2017 for a tight end. Uh, I believe he's caused like four turnovers this year for them. Just really, really bad. I'm just super frustrated and uh, I hate it. I, I hate how the Giants are playing. I hate they're a joke of a franchise. It, it's... It has to be especially frustrating because they were so close. I mean, you're right. They yeah. had the lead late in that game. Uh, if they can just get a first down or two, then this game is over. Huh, uh, and over. Evan Ingram has one just because has it just clank off his feet like that. That to me has to be the most. I think it'd be one thing, Eddie, if if they just went and just got run out of the building and you can just kind of throw right. your hands up and say, you know, what, it just wasn't going to happen. But I think to see them that close, that has to be the part that's heartbreaking. Uh, absolutely. I mean, Daniel Jones had his first okay, good, you know, whatever game this season. The defense played well enough to win. Wayne Gallman came out of nowhere and had a pretty good game. Sterling Shepard's back scored a touchdown. I mean, a lot of bright spots on that team. You're like, wow, you know, two wins, but they're, you know, right there for, to win the division. And um, just to see it go down like that, I mean, it, it, of course it has to be the Eagles, the team I hate the most. It's just, oh, <laughs> man, I'm disgusted. <laughs> Uh, I, I feel your pain, dude. I completely feel it. Well, at least the weekend's coming, so hopefully you can sort of uh, take your mind out, at least for a day, at least for a Saturday. Uh, yeah, one day. As well, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, so at least there's something, hopefully, to distract you a little bit. Um, all right, let's pivot and bring in our pal, Michael F. Florio, who will help us get through uh, our TNF recap and the rest of the show as well. Before we actually do that... Uh, Let's just a, a quick reminder. Actually, no, let's start. Florio, how are you? Let's, let's just be, let's be polite. Let's be, let's be welcoming. Florio, how are you feeling this morning? I'm good. I'm feeling better than Eddie. Uh, I'm sorry, Eddie, about your pain. But I, I will say, as someone who has a lot of friends from back home in New York who are Giants fans, being in group chats with them, well, it's a lot more fun when you're not a fan of the team and something like last <laughs> night happens. I, I had, like, friends being like, we got to throw Evan Ingram the ball. And then 10 minutes later, it was like, why are we throwing him the ball? So it was just... <laughs> pretty funny to be a spectator watching uh 
my sad Giants friend's misery. There is nothing rational about being a sports fan. Like, I really don't know why. Like, if, if you were just to, like, step outside of yourself and look at, you know, the live sports fans lead, you would wonder why we do this to ourselves on a regular basis because uh, there's probably more pain than joy involved in it. So uh, I, don't, I don't know why we do it. Uh, one quick and actually fairly important note for everybody out there, in case you have not seen, there has been a change to the schedule for Week 7 Originally, the Buccaneers and Raiders were scheduled to be the Sunday night football game, but because uh, there were some positive COVID tests with the Raiders offensive line and several people who were uh, sent home and because of contact tracing, that game has actually been moved. It will now be played at 4.05 Eastern time on Sunday, and it will air on Fox. And in its place on Sunday night, it will now be the Seahawks and the Cardinals. So we'll get the Russ v. Kyler in prime time. So that should be a lot of fun. But uh, in case it char- in case uh, you, you have some lineup decisions to make, that's just something to keep in mind. And now those games are going to swap places on the schedule coming up this Sunday. Uh, in the meantime, we had Thursday night football last night, as uh, we have referenced. And uh, in case you somehow missed this whole thing, the Eagles squeak out a win against the New York Giants. 22-20 to 20 was the final score in that one. Uh, a quick look at some of the top fantasy scores from this one. Carson Wentz bounced back. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say bounced back. He's been playing well lately. Uh, nearly 28 fantasy points, 359 passing yards, a pair of touchdowns, and an interception. Daniel Jones with 187 passing yards. He had two touchdowns and an INT. Also, 92 rushing yards, including uh, what was sort of the blooper of the night, a long run that looked like it was going to go for a touchdown until the Turf Monster, which is having an all-pro year, by the way, uh, went and made the tackle. Uh, before he could get to the goal line. And then Boston Scott, who finally came through late with a touchdown, uh, but 92 scrimmage yards, three catches as well. He got you uh, over 18 fantasy points. But let's start with Carson Wentz because he's turning things around, Mike. I mean, at the start of the year, it was pretty bad for Wentz. I mean, we were sort of backing off of him and wondering if it was just going to fall apart, but he's, he's starting to kind of put things together. So are we back in on the Wentz wagon? Yeah, I don't think he is a, you know, must start every single week quarterback just yet. But I do think he is back being into that QB1 range, like back end QB1 range each week. Uh, To me, there's like six or seven guys that you start regardless of the matchup. And then after that, I think you could play the matchups. But Wentz, what I love is he's running more this year, 26 rushing yards per game, career high. He has five rushing touchdowns this year. He had his previous four NFL seasons combined. Uh, he has 21 or more in four of his last five games. So it's just right now he's looking like a little bit of a different quarterback. And the running game hasn't been clicking for Philly, which is asking him to run more and just throw more too. So I think he is back into being someone that we can trust most weeks. Yeah, he is. He's you know, back into the top 10 or at least the top 12 right now. And, and things are starting to turn around. I said earlier this week that if you love the law or sausage or Carson Wentz fantasy points, you should watch neither one of them being made because it's not pretty. Uh, watching watching Wentz in this offense play at times is is frustrating because he holds the ball a long time. The offensive line is not great. He made a couple of really questionable throws. One of them did get picked. Had another one that probably should have been intercepted. So it it is frustrating. It is it's ugly, but it has become effective. And you mentioned the five rushing touchdowns. I thought the the thing that was interesting to take away from last night, Florio, was that it's almost like they're trying to use him like Cam Newton. I mean, like he's running the football. They seem to have some designed runs for him. They had that one uh, near the goal line on a two-point conversion try that was ultimately unsuccessful. 
but they're they're using him to run the football. So I, I don't know if this is the plan all year, if this changes once Miles Sanders is healthy. But it uh, for the time being, it certainly lifts his floor a little bit if we know that we can get those rushing touchdowns from him. So that that is a positive. Uh, a negative continues to be the injuries happening in this Eagles offense. Uh, Deshaun Jackson ended up leaving with what is right now being called a high ankle sprain. So he potentially is going to be out for a few weeks. On top of it, uh, Zach Ertz has been placed on injured reserve. He's expected to miss four to six weeks. Dallas Goddard is not going to be around for possibly until week 10, until after the bye. But Richard Rodgers had a pretty good game last night. So is there any interest in maybe adding Rodgers if you need tight end help going forward? I think so. Like like you said, Marcus, Ertz and Goddard are out for at least the next couple of weeks. So next week they get the Dallas Cowboys and their defense. I think you can expect some yardage to be put up against them. And, and that's why I think Richard Rodgers, especially Marcus, we talk about it all the time, right? Like we say tight end is deeper than ever. Well, we're seven weeks into the year and I feel like it's shallower than ever already. So uh, I think in that, in, in this position, in this landscape of tight end right now, Richard Rodgers is someone that until those other guys are healthy, I think is fantasy relevant. It's amazing how Carson Wentz loves his tight ends because, you know, we've seen what Ertz can do when, when he's at his peak. We've seen Goddard be productive. Now it's Rodgers that steps in and plays well. Uh, at this point, because Ertz has not performed and now he's hurt, is there any reason for folks to hold on to him on their fantasy rosters? I don't think so. I had him actually this week as a player you can drop. And some people were like, oh, I don't want to give up on him. And I said, if you have an IR spot, that's different. But a lot of leagues I'm in don't have an IR spot. And those with the bye weeks coming now and other players, you know, like if you have like a Mixon or something or a Nick Chubb, like those players are more valuable and you have to hold on to them right now. So bench spots are becoming more and more valuable right now. I, I think with it's such a long layoff and him not even being productive when he was healthy, I think you can drop Zach Hurts right now. I think that's the biggest part is that when he was healthy, he wasn't really doing much. And now you're waiting until you know, maybe at the soonest, what, week 11, uh, maybe as long as week 13. So you're talking about maybe the fantasy playoffs. Now, I guess if there's upside and you do have that IR spot, the fantasy playoff schedule actually isn't terrible for the for the Eagles. So, I mean, that that's something to kind of keep in mind. In fact, I think they in championship week, they would play the Dallas Cowboys. So. Uh, that's that's maybe something to hold on to. But if you don't have that IR spot, it just doesn't really make sense to, to hang on to him. Uh, on the Giants side, you heard Eddie talk about his frustration with Evan Ingram, and I think a lot of Giants fans would certainly agree with that. And look, it just kept feeling like we are waiting. A couple weeks ago against Dallas, you didn't really get big production out of him. You, you got double-digit points from him last night, but it still wasn't much. It, it probably could have or should have been more. Are we totally out on Evan Ingram at this point? I think you can't be totally out on him again because of tight ends, but he is not someone that I think you have to roster or, you know, if he has a bad matchup and you play a different tight end, like you still stash him on your bench. Like, I think he is someone you could throw on the waiver wire. And if they have a good matchup, like I thought last night was a good matchup for Evan Ingram. He could have ended up having a nice night if he comes down with that long catch, but still like, how many times can we say, oh, he could have done this or he could have had a nice night? Like at some point we need production and it just hasn't been coming from Evan Ingram. It has not been coming. And, you know, he was one of those guys sort of in the middle tier of tight ends that I wasn't quite sure how to rank or or whether or not I had any interest in drafting him. And, and he has certainly been a disappointment. I had asked Adam Rank earlier this week whether or not if he didn't perform on Thursday, if it was time to be done. And Rank sort of suggested that, yeah, maybe it's time to move on. So... 
I think if you have Evan Ingram, chances are you probably have another tight end. You've probably been sort of playing the matchups and streaming, and I think you're probably going to have to continue to do that. But I think you just don't have that same level of confidence in Ingram, even when the matchup is good, because we haven't seen him really have that big breakout game so far yet this season. All right, let's turn to a few fantasy headlines. Some things actually kind of popping off on Friday morning before we started recording this show. The first one, Cincinnati Bengals running back Joe Mixon has officially been ruled out with a foot injury for this week's game against the Cleveland Browns. So Gio Bernard had sort of been kind of ever steadily getting touches and, and getting on the field. But now with no Mixon, how would you rank uh, Mixon going into the, or would you rank Bernard rather going into this week's game? So I had Joe Mixon as my RB13 before when I expected him to play, but this morning I updated it, and I currently have Gio Bernard at RB16, a little bit lower than I had Mixon, um, but not that much because last year we didn't really see Mixon miss any time, but in the year before that when he did miss multiple games, Gio Bernard just stepped in and they didn't really miss a beat. He was putting up RB1-type numbers. So I have him more as an RB2 this week, but someone that – I think you should run out right now, check waiver wires if he's out there. And if you're lucky enough to get him, I think you start him this week. It's a pretty, it's an okay matchup against the Browns, but all the volume is going to be going to him. I think that's the biggest thing is that the volume is going to be going there. We, we know they use him to catch passes anyway. That had sort of been the frustration for anybody starting Mixon is that when the Bengals were in catch-up mode, we saw a lot of Gio Bernard on the field. So that certainly helps raise his weekly floor. The matchup is, like you said, it's okay, but the volume is certainly going to be there. So you're right. I know he's available in a ton of leagues, uh, I think on multiple platforms. So uh, go and take a look. Go see if he's out there because if you're needing running back help, I think Gio Bernard is a guy who could certainly slide in there and offer you some decent production this week. Uh, the, the thing that has rankled fantasy Twitter for the last few days now, uh, Antonio Brown is eligible to come off of suspension, and there are reports that the Seahawks had an interest in signing him. Then a couple days after that came news that the Ravens were planning to sign Des Bryant to their practice squad. So it is a flashback of one-time fantasy stud receivers coming back into our lives, and that has sent fantasy Twitter into a, a tizzy. Do you have any interest in, in either one of these or both of these guys right now? I have no interest in Des Bryant. I think he is much more of a good story, something to root for. Like, I hope we get to see him back because, you know, he was a fun player to watch, but he was someone who dealt with a lot of foot injuries and I thought was heavily declining when he was, you know, with the Cowboys. And we haven't seen him in the NFL in years. And again, he's only on the practice squad here. And if they call him up, I think he's third target at best. But Antonio Brown, I mean... I'm always a sucker for upside, and A.B. two years ago was still one of the best wide receivers in football. I don't really expect that, and I think one caveat that isn't getting enough attention, unless they can start the, the COVID testing early, like if he can't sign till after week eight, does he still have to wait, you know, the whole week like Le'Veon Bell had to and, and other players who've signed had to? Because then at that point, then we're probably talking about week nine, he's only starting practice. How quickly is he going to be acclimated into the system? I would expect him to just be like, more of a gadget player, a couple targets a game, maybe stretch the field or something like that. But I think he is more valuable in name. Like if you can grab him now and anyone wants to offer you something or if he does sign, you, you trade him then. But I think he's better as a value as name trying to trade him than he is contributing to your fantasy team. And I think that's sort of the big part for me is that it really is more about uh, – 
the fact that there's buzz around him at this point, right? And that you know, there, there are people who have interest. So maybe if you were able to pick him up off the waiver wire or if you somehow drafted and stashed him all this time, I think there's a chance for you to kind of get something of value. I do worry about, you know, you mentioned the, the COVID testing and having to wait and when he gets into practice. There's also the fact that there's still another investigation hanging over him as well. And there's still a chance that he could be suspended by the league uh, for that. So we really don't completely know what his playing status is going to be. And I know it's, it, you know, it's funny to me is that the Seahawks right now have two of the biggest wish casted wide receivers in fantasy football with this, this talk of them maybe signing Antonio Brown. The fact that they're still waiting for Josh Gordon, right? I mean, they still, Josh Gordon is still kind of hanging around uh, and, you know, they're starting to see if he could ever be reinstated. Uh, the Seahawks are just kind of dangling these two guys out there, and fantasy Twitter is sort of just kind of like, you know, drooling over what possibly could be. As someone who has Lockett and DK in a few of my rosters, like, I, I do not want them to sign him selfishly. Yeah, I, I have stayed away from Antonio Brown. I guess, look, if I, were, if I were in a situation where I had a team that was, you know, five and one, six and oh, whatever. And I had the roster space. Maybe I consider it. Um, but I just, I think there's, there's, there are far more unknowns and negatives than there are, than there is upside. So I have personally stayed away, but I know that a lot of folks have, have certainly dived right in. So uh, yeah, he I would stay hands off. Go most ahead. added wide receiver this week on NFL.com. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to stay hands off and look, if it, if he comes out and he's great, then Hey, I'll just take the L on that one. But uh, I, I just, I just don't want the headache there. Uh, Jets news, Sam Darnold is expected to start for the Jetropolitans this week after missing a couple of games with a shoulder injury. They take on the Bills uh, coming up on Sunday. Now, Florio, I, I don't think there are a lot of people starting Sam Darnold. Maybe, maybe two QB leagues is, is probably the only thing there. But the Bills have struggled against the tight end position. So now that the starting quarterback is back uh, and you hope he can get the ball out more efficiently than Joe Flacco, would you consider starting, say, Chris Herndon or, you know, in dire straits, Ryan Griffin against the Bills? Yeah, I I had Chris Herndon on because uh, I put out every week on Twitter like a list of waiver wire targets. And I had him as like a deeper league ad. And people were like, there's no reason at all to add Chris Herndon. I was like, well, the Bills are allowing the most receiving yards to the position. They're in the top five in fantasy points allowed to tight ends. So I think if you're in like a deeper league, again, tight end has been so gross. There's four teams on by. There's people out there who are diving very deep for tight end. And I think Chris Herndon is a upside play. Not really a safe floor at all, but he has some upside. Uh, you talk about diving deep for tight ends. Look, I have a league where <laughs> I have three tight ends on my roster. Don't ask why. It's a whole thing. <laughs> but uh, I have three tight ends on my roster, and literally all three of them are on a bye. I have <laughs> I've got uh, Mark Andrews, uh, Mike Gesicki, and Kyle Rudolph, and all three of them are on a bye this week. So <laughs> I understand the pain of having to go on the waiver wire and try to find a tight end this week. So, uh, look, Chris Herndon. At this point, I think if you're if you're streaming tight end, you just are hoping for a touchdown more than anything else. I think that's sort of the, the upside. That's what, that's the hope for. And the Bills have given up some yards and some points to, to fantasy tight end. So there there you go. That could be an option for you. 
All right, today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, a leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, so dra- download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. We have reached the back half of the fantasy regular season. I mean, week seven is already officially underway, and so we are kind of hitting... Maybe not the stretch run, but uh, we're getting pretty close to it. So, as always, we have some of our big questions of the week. And the first one is in Pittsburgh, where we have seen Chase Claypool step up uh, and play really well. By the way, and and I'm sort of having this conversation on Twitter as we do this, but Mapletron is a bad nickname and no one should use it. We we can come together as a football-watching populace and come up with something better than Mapletron. Whose nickname is that? Uh, Chase Claypool, because apparently he's Canadian, so they're calling him Mapletron. It's terrible. It, we can do better. Can, let's can all, let's all put our heads together. Any Canadian player just giving them a nickname with Maple? Right. <laughs> like, James stop, Paxton's stop doing Maple. Big Maple. <laughs> stop doing Maple for, for Canadian guys and just stop doing <laughs> Tron for any wide receiver who like is big or whatever. Like We, we, we can do better than this, people. Uh, but he's playing well. There's no doubt about it. Deontay Johnson is back this week. In the meantime, Juju Smith-Schuster has easily been one of the biggest disappointments across fantasy football. On paper, the matchup this week is good against the Tennessee Titans, but, I mean, can you still trust Juju at this point? Marcus, Juju Smith-Schuster is in my sleeper article this week. And like that right there shows you how bad he's been playing. Single digits in two straight games, less than 50 yards in every game but one this season. He just hasn't been that guy that we've expected. And last year, you could make excuses for him. He wasn't healthy. Big Ben was out. The whole Steelers offense just was a mess. But what's his excuse this year? It's just that there's other wide receivers in this offense that are taking away a lot of that volume. So I think that Juju this week is someone that is a high upside wide receiver three, but he's very boomer bust. Like you could get single digit fantasy points once again this week, but I wouldn't be surprised if he had his best game of the year because the Titans are just a really good matchup for wide receivers right now. It really is a a low floor, high ceiling sort of thing for him this week. And what's weird is that he's, I think he actually leads the team in targets this year, uh, but it's all a lot of short yardage stuff. It's a lot of underneath stuff. And it's, what I remember what I said about uh, DeAndre Hopkins last year when he was having, you know, what for him was a frustrating underperforming season is that as a fantasy manager, it's really disheartening when you see your guy catch the ball and the line of the blue line of scrimmage line is still on the field. Like you don't still want to <laughs> see that on the screen when your wide receiver is catching the ball. And it seems like that's what's happening with Juju Smith-Schuster a lot because it's about five yards per target generally. Uh, and so that is forcing him to do to have big yard after the catch numbers. And that hasn't really come for, to fruition for him as well. In the meantime, they are taking more downfield shots with Claypool and with Johnson. So you hope maybe the volume picks up. You hope maybe he, he breaks a couple of tackles and, and makes something happen. But the way they're using him this year just doesn't seem conducive to him having those big seasons or having those big games. And so it's been really frustrating. Uh, I have Juju in a couple of spots, and it, it's at the point where I'm really starting to, to give up on him and, and have, just put him on the bench. But this is a week where maybe you give him one last shot and see if maybe the matchup favors him and uh, and he comes through for you. Because uh, since week one, there really has been nothing to, to write home about with Juju. Uh, an interesting quarterback matchup in the NFC South. We've got the Panthers and the Saints. Uh, who would you or whether would you consider, I should say, starting Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Brees this week? 
Yeah, I, I would flat out start Teddy over him. I have Teddy as QB 13 and Breeze as QB 18 this week. And the beautiful thing about Teddy this year is he's been predictable. Like, he has good games and his good matchups and let's and, and low fantasy points in his tougher matchups. And this is a favorable matchup against a team that has allowed the most touchdowns to quarterbacks and the fourth most fantasy points. So, whereas on the other side, the Panthers have allowed the fourth fewest to quarterbacks. So, I'm going Breeze over – I'm sorry, Bridgewater over Breeze. I agree with you 100%. I, I would take Teddy B this week over Breeze. Uh, look, I, I'm still waiting to see what's going to happen with Michael Thomas, although as of Thursday, he was sort of trending in the wrong direction, it seems. But you're right. That Panthers defense has been really good against quarterbacks and receivers this year, whereas it has not been very good against running backs. And so, look, I, I, I think... Alvin Kamara is going to be huge pretty much every week because he is sort of game script proof. They're going to throw him the ball if they need to. He's going to run the ball when he has to. And against this bad Carolina run defense, uh, I think he's going to have a field day. I think even if you're hurting it running back, like we talked earlier, uh, and you can put in Latavius Murray, and I think he's going to have some decent production as well. But Breeze is a guy that I would avoid, and the Saints have struggled against opposing passing games. So if you were looking to stream the quarterback position, I think you could probably do worse than Teddy Bridgewater in Week 7. Speaking of passing games and just offenses in general, we know the Cowboys' defense is bad, but after what we saw on Monday Night Football against the Cardinals, how are we feeling about this Cowboys' offense? Not great. Uh, I think I'm a little bit... I still have a little bit of optimism because it was Andy Dalton's first start and the Arizona Cardinals defense has played really well this year. Uh, so I, I'm willing to at least have a little bit more hope further beyond just that one game. But I think right now the only must start in this offense is Zeke and there's some panic on him. Like people are wondering if they should trade him, at least from what I'm seeing. I don't think so. Two fumbles. Yeah, but 11 targets like that's big. And then. I think Cooper Cup and CeeDee Lamb against the team that has allowed the, the Washington team that has allowed the fewest points to wide receivers right now. I think they're both just low end wide receiver twos this week. Uh, Schultz, I think streamable tight end. But Michael Gallup, Marcus, I actually said that he's a player you can drop this week. Wow. That's a, you know, it's funny because we've kind of ridden the roller coaster with Michael Gallup where he was, he was bad or at least he wasn't productive, I should say, early on in the season. Then he had a couple of decent games uh, and now maybe he's back to being unproductive again because this offense is sort of remaking itself with Andy Dalton, the quarterback. I will say that I, at least for this week, I'm a little bit worried about Zeke. Um, you're starting him. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that you're going to bench Ezekiel Elliott, but Washington's been pretty good against running backs. The the fumble issues, hopefully this is just kind of a hiccup and this isn't going to become a thing now, but uh, I think he's lost four fumbles compared to just two all of last year. So I am a little bit nervous about Ezekiel Elliott, but uh, if you have him, you're, you're going to have him in your starting lineup and you're going to sort of hope for the best. Uh, I still believe in C.D. Lamb. I still believe in Amari Cooper, and I'm with you on the, the Dalton Schultz thing, and I'll, I'll talk about him a little bit later on in the show. But uh, definitely not as excited about this Cowboy offense as I was a couple of weeks ago when Dak Prescott was at the, was at the helm and uh, you know they were still putting up 30, 35 points a game. They're going to have to throw the football because that defense isn't going to get any better, but I just don't know that the outcomes are going to be quite the same on a week-to-week basis. Uh, last question here. Marvin Jones has done a disappearing act. We talked about Juju Smith-Schuster being, being a disappointment. Marvin Jones has been a disappointment as well, even though you didn't spend nearly the draft capital to add him. But uh, he's got a very good matchup this week against the Atlanta Falcons. Do you give him one last shot before maybe jettisoning him to the waiver wire? 
Yeah, I was really high on Marvin Jones coming into this season, and that's been a huge L. Like, he's looked pretty washed. He hasn't had any really much fantasy production, but I do think this is a week you can use him. Uh, I would stream him but and then throw him back to the waiver wire, like you said, Marcus. The Falcons have allowed the fifth most fantasy points per game, the second most receiving yards to wide receivers. They're allowing just a ton of fantasy points to every position. The ultimate get-right game. Like, if he can't have a productive week this week, you can never trust him again. Pretty much. And he's got fewer receiving yards than Danny Amendola this year. So that sort of tells you uh, what we're talking about with Marvin Jones. I mean, he's got 14 catches in five games. You can do the math. That's fewer than three catches per game. It just has not worked out. Now, here's the thing. The thing we have seen with Marvin Jones in the past is once you pretty much give up on him, that's when he goes out and he has the three touchdown game. So it's probably coming at some point here. Uh, hopefully it comes this week when we're all still sort of on the Marvin Jones train and, and we're all still sort of believing. But uh, you can just imagine it, it, it. You know, here's the thing. It may come in a game like against the Bears, right, where like nobody is expecting it. Everybody is pretty much giving up on Marvin Jones and put him on the waiver wire or on the bench. That's when the three touchdown game against Chicago is going to come and nobody's going to see it coming. Uh, except maybe that one guy who isn't really paying attention in your league and just left his lineup static and somehow took advantage <laughs> of it and beats you. That's that's pretty much how it's going to happen. But this this really is, I think, a make or break week for Marvin Jones. Uh, by the way, if you want more on this kind of stuff, uh, right up until kickoff, we got you covered. Me, along with Michael F. Florio, Adam Rank, Kimmy Checks. It is NFL Fantasy Game Day. You can see it streaming in all the places you see our streaming shows. That's at NFL.com, the NFL Fantasy app, and at YouTube com slash uh, NFL fantasy football. That's it. I know what it is. Uh, so be sure to check us out. Uh, we kick off at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific every Sunday morning. It's time for Best Value presented by DraftKings. Every week we go through and try to get you the most bang for your daily fantasy bucks. So Michael F. Florio, please start us off. Who is your best value quarterback for the week? There was a lot, but I went with Joe Burrow because he was just the cheapest of the bunch of, of the ones that I liked. And it doesn't hurt that, to me, it's a very encouraging sign that his best game of the year came against this Browns defense when they, he played him previously, had nearly 25 fantasy points. The Browns allowed 290 passing yards per game, and we know they're, they're going to let Joe Burrow sling the rock, especially if no, no Joe Mixon this week. So I like Burrow against the Browns this week. I'm going to go with Teddy Bridgewater. We talked about him in the last segment and, and what he uh, offers in this game against the New Orleans Saints. I mean, the Saints really have struggled against opposing fantasy quarterbacks. They've given up the fourth most fantasy points per game. And we came into the season expecting Bridgewater to kind of be a streaming option. You play him when the matchup is right. And the matchup is right. And the salary is good, uh, 5,800. I will certainly take that and try to go big at some other spots. Uh, all right, switch over to the running backs. Uh, who's your back to pick this week? I'm saying David Johnson. I know he hasn't lived up to expectations this year. He's more of a like safe floor, but not really high upside play, at least so far this year. But this week, he actually comes with some upside. I think the Packers have allowed the most fantasy points per game to running backs. That includes allowing an average of seven catches over 160 total yards. And they've given up nine touchdowns already to running backs this year. So I just think there's going to be lots of opportunity there for David Johnson. 
I do like David Johnson this week as well, but uh, I went with Justin Jackson going against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags have really struggled uh, against running backs this season. That run defense has not been very good at all. And what we've seen is it feels like the Chargers are really trusting Jackson a little bit more, maybe because uh, he's been more secure with the football compared to Joshua Kelly. He also just seems to be more effective running the football than Kelly has this year. So uh, I would give him a shot, and he's definitely more the pass catcher. I think he, he definitely slots more into that Austin an Eckler type role uh, in that Charger backfield than Kelly does. So I would give him a chance uh, in, in my DFS lineups. Uh, wide receiver, who are you looking at? Well, Marcus, last week you had a QB wide receiver stack with Cousins and Justin Jefferson, and that worked out phenomenally. Kudos to you on that, that great call. <laughs> so I'm going with a stack myself this week. I'm going to go with T. Higgins to pair with Joe Burrow at the quarterback position. Uh, the Browns have allowed the third most fantasy points per game to wide receivers this year. And I believe that Higgins is the new wide receiver one here in Cincinnati. Since week three, he leads them in air yards and fantasy points and a a bunch of stats. He's second in targets just behind Tyler Boyd, but they're neck and neck there. And when they played Cleveland the first time, they really were trying to highlight A.J. Green. So I think they'll try to highlight T. Higgins there now as he continues to take over that role from Green. Yeah, I I still think despite what A.J. Green did last week, T. Higgins is still the wide receiver, too, in Cincinnati. Uh, I'm going to welcome back Corey Davis, who uh, has been missing. He was on the COVID-19 list, but he has been activated and should be good to go this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We talked about this on the other side with the Steelers wide receivers against the Titans, but for all the good things Pittsburgh's defense has done, they have given up some yards through the air. So I think there's some opportunities for the Titans to throw the football. Ryan Tannehill continues to be efficient, and we saw Davis be very productive early in the season when A.J. Brown wasn't there. So uh, I think this is a chance to sort of work him back into the offense, maybe get him some targets. And I think that, uh, look, as a value play, I'd be willing to take the shot on him uh, for less than $5,000 under that salary cap. So, uh, all right, tight ends. We we keep talking about tight ends and and how awful it is to try to dig through there. But uh, where are you going for values this week? Just pick on the Atlanta Falcons right now. I'm going with TJ Hawkinson going up against the Falcons who have allowed the second most fantasy points to tight ends in nearly 21 a game. They've allowed a league high seven touchdowns to the position. And I think that's the big number there, the touchdowns, because Hawkinson has scored a touchdown in two straight games and watching them play like it just looks like when they get near the end zone and they have to you know throw those end zone targets. It looks like a lot of them are going to go towards TJ Hawkinson's way. They like him in the red zone. So I like Hawkinson as a play here against the Falcons. I'm going to go with Dalton Schultz. And you mentioned him earlier as maybe a nice streaming play. And I'm going to take the chance that the Cowboys won – want to do some things to sort of get Andy Dalton comfortable, give him some easy throws. I mean, you're watching here on the video, the the short throws to Dalton Schultz, kind of those tight end screens, if you will. The other part of it is they are really beat up along that offensive line. So I don't know how long they can protect and allow Dalton to kind of stand back there and survey the field. So it might have to be to think of the ball out quickly to Dalton Schultz on top of it. But uh, the matchup, not terrible for him this week. I mean, Washington's defense has generally been pretty good, but they have given up some opportunities to the tight end position. So I'd be willing to take a shot that Dalton Schultz kind of breaks out of what has been a mini slump for him the last couple of weeks. So talk about Dallas against the football team. You're going the football team against Dallas uh, for your defense, huh? Yeah, I just think right now while the Cowboys, their offense is sputtering a little bit. We we saw last week you can get pressure on Andy Dalton. You could force turnovers against this team and get some sacks. And that is what the the Redskins, uh, the football team, I'm sorry, defense has been doing. They 
They can get after the quarterback. They can stop the run like we were talking about. And they've limited wide receivers. So I, I think people may be afraid seeing that matchup against the Cowboys, but this is not the same offense as when they have Dak Prescott. I, I actually like that pick a lot this week. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. And I know that you have your your Joe Burrow, T. Higgins stack. I, I'm going with the Browns just because, uh, I mean, you see this right here. Like, Miles Garrett has just been wrecking defenses so far this season. And even in that game a few weeks ago, uh, the Browns really did harass Joe Burrow. And they got in his face quite a bit. So I do think they can go and get some pressure on him. They can get some sacks, maybe force a turnover or two. I think they can kind of give you some decent production. Uh, I think, yeah, it's 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 hard. I think find some value picks this week in on the defensive side of the football, but I think that the football team, I think the Browns are a couple of the best options that you can find. So there you go. That was best value presented by DraftKings. One person's fight is never one person's fight. It takes all of us to fight cancer. Join the NFL and the American Cancer Society in the fight today by talking to your doctor or reminding a loved one about getting screened. Visit NFL.com slash crucial catch to learn more. It's time now for Best of the Pack, presented by Panini Trading Cards. Every week, you get a pack of cards, and we pick out the three biggest names we can find in that pack, and we, we chat about them a little bit. So let's start with uh, the guy who's arguably the biggest star in the NFL quarterback-wise so far this season. That is Russell Wilson, who has just been fantastic. He has been cooking all year long for the Seahawks. Uh, interesting game against the Cardinals this week. What kind of production are you expecting from Russ? Yeah, I have him as my QB4, and I know I said earlier, like, the Cardinals defense has been playing really well, and they have, but he's still Russell Wilson, uh, still one of your MVP favorites right now, still your QB1, so I think unless you have, you know, one of him and Mahomes or Kyler, you're, you're playing Russell Wilson. I'm so excited for this game, too, on Sunday night. Yeah, I'm very excited. And now we get to see it in prime time as opposed to sort of just like in the middle of the day. And you're right. Russell Wilson right now is the QB for this. Keep in mind, he's also had a buy. So uh, that is sort of, I guess, working against him, if you will. But you see that on the screen, 20 plus fantasy points in every game this season. He's been fantastic. I think he's going to continue to be fantastic. So uh, I expect him to have another rust day and just sort of cook as he always has so far this season. All right. Next up, it is... Packers running back Aaron Jones, who uh, we keep saying that you know touchdown regression is a thing, and Aaron Jones basically keeps flipping us the bird about it. So uh, <laughs> he's got a great matchup on paper against the Houston Texans. So is he the RB1 this week? And if not, who is? He is my RB2 this week. The, my RB1 is the RB1 on the season. Despite having a bye already, it's, it's Alvin Kamara. Like, he gets the Carolina Panthers, who are just, you know, allowing a ton of fantasy points and catches. But Aaron Jones gets the, the Texans, who also are in the top four in fantasy points allowed to running backs. Like you said, Marcus, he touchdown regression doesn't exist for Aaron Jones somehow. Uh, he just continues to get the job done. So I have him as my RB2, but I, I expect huge numbers out of him. I, I think Aaron Jones is going to continue to be great. And, you know, what's weird about this is the Packers still don't make him fully a workhorse. Like he gets the majority of the snaps and he gets the majority of the touches, but they're still working in Jamal Williams. And every once in a while you see A.J. Dillon on the field. They have not just completely committed to giving that backfield fully to Aaron Jones. And he is still going out and doing big things. So uh, this is a smash week opportunity for him, probably for the Packer offense as a whole, especially after they were so disappointing last week against Tampa. This feels like a get right game for Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, and pretty much everybody uh, wearing the green and gold. All right, last one. It is Rams quarterback Jared Goff. 
it has been sort of an up and down year. It's weird because, you know, week to week, you look at his fantasy numbers and they seem like they're okay, but it just, I don't know, just something hasn't quite clicked, it feels like, with golf in this Rams passing game. Would you consider starting him against the Bears and what has to happen for you to make that decision? I would not want to start him. I would have to be diving pretty deep at quarterback and, and have, you know, a starter missing or something because, like like you said, Marcus, it hasn't been clicking for golf. The Rams are running the ball the fourth most in the NFL this year, so they're not passing much at all. And it is just such a tough matchup against the Bears who have more interceptions than passing touchdowns allowed this season, and they're allowing the fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks. I think just stay away from – Jared Goff right now, he's not even in my top 20 quarterbacks. What was really frustrating about Goff last week is that the Niners didn't get a lot of pressure on him, and he just missed some wide-open throws. And that was a little bit concerning because he is certainly not going to have, I don't expect, a lot of clean pockets against Khalil Mack and the Bears this week. So I would be very concerned, and I'm with you. I, I would stay away from Goff in pretty much most formats. I guess if you're in a 2QB league, then, then you're starting him. But that is about the only way I think I could advocate starting Jared Goff uh, in Week 7 against the Chicago Bears. All right, that was Best of the Pack, presented by Panini. Inspired by ongoing conversations with players, the NFL, NFL Players Association, and Players Coalition together launched NFL Votes to empower and improve our communities through exercising the right to vote. Join the NFL family by registering to vote today and make your voice heard this November. Visit NFL.com slash votes to learn more. All right, it is time for one of my favorite parts of the show. It is Ask a Nerd, where we talk to our pal Matt Okada. And this week, we're asking him, about some big single-game wide receiver fantasy performances. Thanks, Marcus. We have a little different look on Ask a Nerd this week as we pull up the five best single-game performances by a wide receiver this millennium. Starting at number five, we have a man of many teams and many more catches, Brandon Marshall. In Week 14, 2009, Marshall hung 53 fantasy points on the Colts thanks to a still-standing NFL record 21 receptions for 200 yards and two TDs. Number four is a receiver with a little less name recognition, Drew Bennett of the Tennessee Titans. While Bennett never even made a Pro Bowl in his career, he did make our list with a 233-yard, three-touchdown, 53.3 fantasy point performance in Week 14, 2004 against the Chiefs. Blazing into the number three spot is the only active player on our list, Will Fuller. Many of you probably had him in your lineup when he exploded for 14 catches, 217 yards, three scores, and 53.7 fantasy points in week five last season. For number two on our list, we travel back two full decades to week 16, 2000. Then 49er, now Hall of Famer Terrell Owens racked up 54.8 fantasy points on the back of 20 catches and 283 yards, both a little short of single game records. And finally, at number one, we have turn-of-the-century Jaguar superstar Jimmy Smith. In Week 2, 2000, Smith joined Jerry Rice as the only wideout in the Super Bowl era to top 60 fantasy points in a game when he posted 62.1 against the Ravens thanks to 291 yards and three scores. Here's hoping one of your starters joins this list in Week 7. Until next time, this has been Ask a Nerd, and may the fantasy points be with you. Thanks as always, Matt. You know, Drew Bennett, uh, he once was uh, he once played volleyball at UCLA and was also a quarterback with the Bruins. That used to be – that was the early 2000s version of Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. It just felt like every time Drew Bennett did something, they would say, you know, he was a quarterback at UCLA and he also played volleyball. Uh, so it's <laughs> interesting to see him making it on this list here. But 
Uh, if we're talking about you know, wide receivers in fantasy of the new millennium, uh, if you could pick one fantasy wide receiver who has been drafted since the year 2000, who would you go with? I almost didn't pick this guy, but then I said, I'll feel the issues, be Dan. Like, I'm going Antonio Brown here. He had a six-year stretch where he would give you a minimum of 100 catches, 1,200 yards, and eight touchdowns. I mean, that is off the chart production for six years, too. His his run was kind of ended abruptly, but still, I mean, that run, it, it's one of the best wide receiver runs in fantasy history. You know, I looked at a- Antonio Brown, and I really thought about picking him, but instead, I'm going to go with Calvin Johnson. Uh, Megatron was just phenomenal and really retired at the top of his game. I mean, he went uh, a string of six straight years where he got you over 1,000 yards. He was good more often than not for double-digit touchdowns. He had a season in 2012 with 204 targets, which is just an absurd number. Uh, I ended up with 122 catches, 1,900 yards that year. And the weird part about it is I feel like that was the year where he led the league in getting tackled inside the five. So he only had five touchdowns, but that number could have been even higher, which would have just been a phenomenal season. So uh, I'm going to go Megatron there. I don't feel like there's really a wrong answer here, but uh, I think it just speaks to, one, the way the game has changed, but also the the quality of fantasy wide receivers we have seen since the year 2000. Uh, maybe you'll get one of those performances, uh, one of those big, huge single game performances this week. Who knows? Put them in your lineup and uh, and happy fantasy footballing in week seven. In the meantime, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, teachers used to say you won't have a calculator everywhere you go. We showed them. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, (laughs) and we will see you on Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.